The Zags are in the mix for a seven foot one center in the class of 2025, a potential future anchor on the block thanks to his rim protection skills. Let's meet Xavion Staten on today's Locked On Zags podcast. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lockdown Zags Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. Today's episode of Lockdown Zags is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics to treat over 50 infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. We're going to discuss Gonzaga officially being out of the AP Top 25, ending one of the longest streaks in college basketball history. We're also going to discuss the Lady Zags falling from 16 to 17 despite blowing out Santa Clara, the second-best team in the WCC. That's a bit odd. We'll talk about that. But first, we're going to talk recruiting. We've been trying to talk recruiting at least once a week here on Locked On Zags as we get more updates about Gonzaga's targets, primarily in the class of 2025. The latest player we have heard is being pursued by Gonzaga is Xavion Staten. Staten is a top, excuse me, is a seven foot one center. He is from Las Vegas. He has a huge wingspan, long, lengthy, big man, very skinny right now. Uh, likely going to fill out again. Class of 2025 means he is a sophomore in high school right now. Uh, and as it often is with sophomores, with class, you know, guys two to three years away from being college players, the scouting recruiting services are all over the place with Staten. He has been a quick riser in some places, and some of the scouting services either have not caught up with his performance lately and haven't re-ranked him accordingly, or maybe they're just not as high on him as maybe some of the other services are. Uh, and you'll typically see this again. When you get to you know the, the upcoming year, guys who are high school seniors, the, the different recruiting services tend to be pretty even or close to, uh, whereas when they're farther out, they're definitely more all over the place. And that is clearly the case here with Mr. Staten. 24-7 Sports has him 142nd in the 2025 recruiting class and lists him, lists him as a three-star talent. ESPN has him as a three-star talent as well. They do not have him ranked. They only have 100 players ranked typically, so he is outside of their top 100. Meanwhile, Rivals has him as a four-star and has him 42nd in the class of 2025, while on three has Staten 39th and lists him as a four-star talent as well. So they're all over the place in terms of where we are at with Staten right now. Uh, again, recruiting services can only go so far in determining value of a player and, and what they're going to look like in college. Uh, I think a better way to evaluate some of that stuff outside of just watching them play and using your eyeballs uh, is to kind of look at the teams that are pursuing certain players. If a three-star prospect has a, a Duke and Carolina and Gonzaga and Kentucky and all these teams after them, they're probably not actually a three-star talent. Meanwhile, if a high four-star player is getting pursued not by those programs or maybe not getting offers, that might tell you something as well. In this case, on three currently lists Staten with 28 offers, 28 Division I offers. Gonzaga not among them yet. On this list, according to On3, is a handful of programs. I'll just name a few here. Arizona, San Diego State, Creighton, Auburn, Illinois, UCLA, USC, Texas. 
Memphis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the most recent update, this comes from the 24-7 High School Hoops Twitter account. A source indicated that Gonzaga is among the eight teams that are most reaching out to Staten right now. So while an offer is not at least listed, according to On3, that does not mean that Gonzaga has not made him an offer. It has just not been reported uh, to that particular recruiting outlet. But according to this, Gonzaga is one of the school's most heavily pursuing state in that list is Gonzaga, alongside Arizona, alongside UNLV, which makes sense because he's based in Las Vegas. Kansas, that's always a name that you like to see on that list. Cal, Michigan, Ole Miss, and SMU, Cal and SMU free, about to join the ACC. Always get a chuckle out of mentioning that. Regardless, this is a young man who has a ton of length. Again, there's not a reported wingspan on him, but you look at pictures, you look at videos, you can tell he has very, very long arms. He uses his body well. He's a very good rim protector. High school, watching high school players, Rim protection, shot blocking, especially for bigger guys, is a is a tough skill to evaluate because when you're seven foot one in high school, you're probably blocking a lot of shots, regardless of whether you actually have a lot of skill in that area. But he certainly looks like he moves fluidly. He uses his body well. He gets in position. He doesn't commit fouls. Uh, he's he's good at what he does down on the block. Uh, he right now he's mostly a lob threat offensively. A lot of dunks whole bunch of dunk in the basketball. I think there's room to grow offensively for him, room to grow as a uh, as a scorer, getting the basketball, making a post move, you know, the way that Gonzaga likes to operate with their bigs. Uh, certainly room to grow defensively, although he does look very polished in that area, uh, at least as polished as a high school sophomore is going to look. Uh, and I think, you know, Gonzaga being in this conversation, you have to consider that strongly if you're Staten because of their ability to develop bigs. What they've done, I mean, the list is huge. What they've done with big fellas and their their growth from freshman year to senior year, the Shemek Karnowskis, the Drew Timmies, uh, the list goes on and on. Braden Huff is continuing to develop like that right now. Roni Turioff, Robert Sacre, et cetera, et cetera. And I think if you're Staten and you're looking at where can I go where I'm not only going to be able to develop my game, grow my offensive ability, where am I going to go where I'm going to get the basketball? And I think Gonzaga's usage rate with bigs is so significant and always has been. Like, it's a huge destination. Like, Graham E.K. has got to be so happy that he decided to transfer to Gonzaga as opposed to somewhere else because Gonzaga uses their bigs so much. And I think that that's going to be – that's a huge selling point that Mark Few and their staff can use when recruiting high school big men. And it's something that, you know, you look at Drew Timmy. He wasn't a highly regarded recruit coming out of high school. You look at Braden Huff. He wasn't a highly regarded recruit coming out of high school. Timmy was like 70th in his class. Braden Huff just barely snuck into the top 100. And now Drew obviously sets Gonzaga's all-time scoring record. Braden looks like a huge find for Mark Few and the Zags. So I think that that's going to really help them in this pursuit here uh, of a player like Staten. And and he joins a group of players that Gonzaga is pursuing in 2025 that looks very promising. You have Isaiah Harwell. We've talked about him a handful of times. He is uh, scheduled to take an official visit to Gonzaga on February 3rd against St. Mary's. He's the number five ranked player in the class of 2025, according to On3. He's from Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, he's listed Gonzaga in his top nine, would be an incredible get for the Zags. You also have Nick Kamenia, who's playing really well right now. He is continuing to jump up the rankings. The most recent refresh from On3 moved him from 48 to 41st 
in that class. He remains a four-star talent, uh, could get into that five-star conversation, although he's not there yet. Uh, he's taken an official visit back at craziness in the kennel. Gonzaga is considered still the heavy front runner to land him. So could be looking at a, at a three-person class here if Gonzaga can make some headway with Staten and can land Harwell and Kamenia, a guard, a wing, a big. Would be nice to see Gonzaga get into that conversation. We've talked quite a few times here on Locked On Zags about the team's lack of additions in the 2024 class and how that seems to be based primarily on the team's decision to focus on the transfer portal after missing out on Zoom Diallo, after missing out on Asa Newell, missing out on Trent Perry, a couple other guys they have not landed as well. I think it makes sense for Gonzaga to, to view this roster, which is already very young, with so many freshmen currently contributing, like Braden Huff, like Dusty Stromer, Luka Krajnovic, Jun Sukyo, guys who are very young, Pavle Stosic, who you don't want to add a bunch more youth onto that roster. I think you go get some some older vets to bring in for 2024, replace some of the guys, you know, replace Anton Watson who's leaving, uh, add some other scholarship spots in case anybody else leaves, and then in 2025 you you kind of get an influx of youth coming in, hopefully with Harwell, Kamenia, and Staten, or at least two of the three would be a huge haul uh, for Mark Few and the Zags. So Staten's another name for Gonzaga fans who like to, to pay attention to who Gonzaga's recruiting, who they're kind of out looking for on the market. Uh, Staten's a name to definitely keep an eye on for those Zag fans. Well, Gonzaga's officially out of the AP poll. We knew it was coming, but it still was a shock to look at that top 25 and not see the Zags on that list. It was the first time since 2016 after their loss to Santa Clara on Thursday. What's it going to take for Gonzaga to climb back into the top 25? We're going to talk about that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the college basketball offers stay hot on FanDuel. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks in your pocket if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options, includes over-under spreads, money lines, prayer props, and more. Right now, the Lady Zags are at 10,000 to 1 odds to win the national championship. It's a long road for that team, but they are in that conversation as a top 20, top 15 team, and I'm willing to take those odds. If you want to join me, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get in on the action this college basketball ball season FanDuel an official partner of the NFL hi folks segment two here still Andy Patton still locked on Zach's podcast and we are talking AP poll it has been a trend on Tuesdays to talk about where Gonzaga is in the AP poll where their opponents are uh, kind of what the movement looked like in the past week and unfortunately Something we thought was going to happen a few weeks ago after Gonzaga's loss to San Diego State has now officially happened. The Zags are no longer ranked inside the top 25 at the AP poll. The last time this was the case was March 14th, 2016. That is the last time they were unranked. That is the 10th longest streak of all time in AP top 25 history at 143 weeks. It was the longest active streak. Now the longest active streak belongs to Houston at 75, a little more than half the size of Gonzaga's streak. That is an incredible testament to what Gonzaga has been able to do to maintain their spot in the top 25 for many, many, many years. Uh, it is sad to see the streak end. All streaks do come to an end eventually uh, for Gonzaga. This was, again, expected that we were going to have this conversation about this team 
Worth acknowledging, as I have a handful of times, March 14th, 2016, the last time Gonzaga was unranked. What happened after that is they had just won the WCC, or they won the WCC tournament, uh, earned themselves an automatic bid in the NCAA tournament as an 11th seed, beat St. John's in the first round, obliterated Utah and Jakob Pertl in the second round thanks to a monster performance from DeMontis Sabonis, and then they lost in the Sweet 16 to a 10 seed in Syracuse, but still a tremendous run the next year. They won the dang or they went to the dang national championship. They would have won had it not been for some foul trouble and some uh, struggles down the stretch. But it was Gonzaga's first time getting to the national championship. They also landed their first five-star recruit shortly after this. So for those of you concerned that a down year for Gonzaga is going to lead to them uh, not being able to land high-level recruits. Hasn't really ever been proven the case at any program. That's just not how it works. High school players are not looking at every box score of the teams that they're they're uh, considering that season. That's not how they're making their decisions. They're making their decisions based on recruiting pitches from the coaches, various other things. So I've seen some conversation of like, oh, Gonzaga's bad year means they're not going to land recruits. It's probably not the case. If Gonzaga doesn't land recruits, it's for a variety of reasons. And this is probably a very small part of that conversation. Gonzaga did receive five votes from AP voters, which was quite uh, not very close to getting in the top 25. I think the, the team that was 26th was San Diego State. I think they had like 170 votes. So Gonzaga was nowhere near actually making the top 25. For those of you who've been listening to the show, you know that I make a top 25 for locked on college basketball. Uh, I did not con- rank Gonzaga. Neither did my co-hosts, Leaf Tulin or Isaac Shade. They were out. Uh, but the, the numbers here don't paint a, a super unflattering picture for Gonzaga. They are 26th at Ken Palm right now. So they're still kind of right in that conversation. Their net ranking is much lower. They are 50th there. Uh, They're 0-4 in quad one and now 2-1 and in quad two games with that loss to Santa Clara being quad two right now. Uh, 8-0 in quad three and quad four. So the question becomes, what can Gonzaga do to get back into the top 25? And it's hard to see it happening this week. This is probably not going to just be a one-week stay outside of the top 25 because Gonzaga is playing Pepperdine and San Diego this week, both on the road as opposed to playing them at home, which they did two weeks ago. But these are teams Gonzaga has already played. These are teams that Gonzaga has already beat. These are teams that are outside the top 210 at Ken Palm. They're not good teams. They're not going to magically become better teams. Uh, These are games that really, frankly, when we'll talk about this more later in the week, it's kind of an unfortunate week for Gonzaga because there's not really going to be a lot of optimism that can be gleaned from this. Either Gonzaga blows out Pepperdine and San Diego, which they've already done, in which case there's not a lot of feeling better. I mean, even if they go out and shoot really well from three, they already did that. They already did that against Pepperdine. They already did that against San uh, San Diego. So going out and blowing out these two teams, playing well, Uh, you know, fleshing the mistakes they made against Santa Clara, shooting better from three, having good performances from the bench, et cetera. All of that's going to kind of just feel repetitive because we've already seen that. So that's more of like what it means for us as fans, for people who watch the team. But the AP voters aren't going to move Gonzaga back in the top 25 for beating Pepperdine in San Diego unless there is significant movement at that bottom of the top 25. Even then, like I said, Gonzaga was not, third in others receiving votes. You know, the AP does not technically rank, you know, 40 teams, but there was like 12 or 15 teams that got votes that weren't in the top 25. Gonzaga was towards the bottom. There's something in the conversation of like 35th, 36th right now in terms of total number of votes from the AP voters. The odds of them jumping into the top 25 for beating San Diego and Pepperdine are pretty slim. 
It's just unlikely to happen, barring again some really significant alterations uh, to to the teams kind of ahead of them right now in that conversation. So I wouldn't expect to see Gonzaga in the top 25 after this week. The week after that, they host San Francisco on the 25th of January, and then they're at Pacific. The game at Pacific means nothing. It means nothing. Pacific is one of the worst Division One teams in all of college basketball. Uh, and Les Gonzaga obviously struggle. I mean, if they lose, it's catastrophic. If they win but don't only win by a few, it's still kind of catastrophic. Not as bad, obviously, but not great. Uh, but that game's not really going to have an impact uh, regardless of how much Gonzaga wins. Uh, whereas the San Francisco game, though, that matters. San Francisco is a good team right now. They're a top 50 net team where they're right around top 50. They kind of alter, alternate being just inside, just outside the top 50. Uh, at home, it won't be a quad one game for Gonzaga, but it will be a quad two game for Gonzaga. If they can beat San Francisco and beat Pacific on the road and, of course, take care of Pepperdine and San Diego, that's four straight wins, there's a chance at that point they climb back in. People can argue whether they think that they should, that they deserve it, et cetera, et cetera. That's a conversation we can have at that point. If Gonzaga does take care of these next four games, it'll certainly depend on what, you know, this huge clump of teams do kind of in that area, the Colorado States of the world, the Dayton's, the San Diego States, the uh, even teams like Princeton and, and others that are kind of in that fringe conversation, St. John's, Providence, whomever it may be. There's a lot of teams kind of right around the top 25 uh, for Gonzaga, four straight wins, including one over San Francisco, a quad two win at home, would probably put them back at least in that conversation. They'd certainly be picking up more votes than they are right now. Not sure they'll get in, not sure they'll deserve to get in, but they'll be close for that conversation. When it really matters, though, is the week after that. February 3rd, Saturday, Zags host St. Mary's in Spokane. That's the one. Zags need to win that game. They win that game. They have now won five in a row, including beating San Francisco and St. Mary's at home. That probably puts them back in the top 25 again, depending on what else has happened around them. There's like five Mountain West teams that are all kind of between 20 and 35 right now. They can't all keep winning. Some of them are going to start losing. That could push them down a little bit. Uh, teams like Dayton and Florida Atlantic who, who don't play super strong schedules, they have to win consistently or else they fall out of that conversation. So it'll be interesting to see what that means for Gonzaga. But that's when it matters. It matters more than anything else on February 3rd against St. Mary's for a lot of reasons. Gonzaga needs to beat St. Mary's for a lot of reasons to keep a, a, a spot at the top of the standings uh, in the WCC. They need to finish in the top two to get that double buy in the WCC tournament. This game matters for that. It matters in the sense that Isaiah Harwell is going to be in the house watching that game. Uh, it matters uh, just in terms of the overall, you know, the, rec the perception between those these two schools, who's the best team in the conference, the rivalry. There's all sorts of reasons it matters. The week after that, it also matters in a big way because they play Kentucky. And Kentucky is the only ranked team still on Gonzaga's schedule as of right now. That game is February 10th at Rupp Arena. Kentucky's eighth. They fell a little bit because they took a road loss to Texas A&M in overtime. 14 top 25 teams lost last week, so we can't be shocked that Kentucky was among them uh, on that list. A&M's a good unranked team, and Kentucky went into overtime on the road. I don't think it was a, a particularly bad loss for the Wildcats, uh, and it still makes that game super, super important for Gonzaga. If they can win that one, it, it changes the, the trajectory of their season, puts them back into the at-large conversation in a big way. That's a huge game for Gonzaga. Uh, there's no doubt about that coming into that, that week. 
And right now, Gonzaga's none of their teams that they've played are ranked, uh, or excuse me, none of the teams that they have beaten are ranked. They've played some ranked teams. We'll get to that, but this is probably not going to change. We talked about this last week. USC and UCLA are so, so, so far away from being ranked teams that it's just not even, it doesn't even matter. Like they're not even close to that conversation. Syracuse talked about them a bit on Monday's show, but they're not close to that conversation either. Same areas in San Francisco, not in that conversation. Again, it's just Kentucky. It's just Kentucky. That's it in terms of upcoming games that they have uh, wins right now. They don't have any wins over ranked teams. Uh, they have some losses, though. <laughs> the two teams that are now number one and number two in the country, UConn has moved all the way to number one after being one of the only top 10 teams to not lose last week. Purdue drops from one to two. So Gonzaga has now played the top two teams in the country. Would have been nice to pick up a victory in either of those, of course, but at least they have that experience playing the very best of the best in college basketball. We're going to close out today's show discussing Lisa Fortier's team. They are 17th in the AP poll. They dropped a spot despite a massive blowout victory over Santa Clara. We're going to talk about what that means for them and their upcoming schedule. All coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but can we talk for a minute about preparing for when those real life events happen? Because according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. And I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone I loved was getting sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication that they needed. Thankfully, there's Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, and skin infection, among others. This could happen to any one of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the cost. It's never been more important than now to be prepared. So go to jacemedical.com, use offer code Locked On, and you'll get $20 off your order. Closing out the show, talking about Lisa Fortier and the Gonzaga women's basketball team. They fell from 16 to 17 in the AP poll. Kind of a shocking fall for Gonzaga. One spot, it really doesn't matter. I don't want to complain about it too much, but Gonzaga's results last week were a 38-point victory over Santa Clara. And look, Santa Clara is not a great team. There's no great teams in the WCC that aren't Gonzaga, but Santa Clara is the second-best team in the conference. How many teams in the AP poll do you think beat the second best team in their conference by 38 points and fell in the polls? Probably not very many. Probably not very many in the last, I don't know, 10 years. It doesn't happen very often. It's a kind of a surprising thing. I think the biggest factor is that Stanford, Gonzaga's biggest win of the season by far, they beat him at home. It was one of the worst defeats that the Stanford team has taken in like five years. Stanford lost. Now they lost the five number five team in the country in Colorado. So to me, Stanford, who Gonzaga played in December, losing to the fifth best team in the country in mid-January, impacting where Gonzaga is in the AP poll, feels like nonsense to me. That seems really silly. I almost wonder if people looked at Gonzaga's absolute destruction of Santa Clara. 87 to 49 was the final score. Gonzaga also beat San Diego by 18, 85 to 67. I wonder if people looked at that and thought and, and took it as as such a negative sign about the WCC that they're punishing Gonzaga for that, which to be clear is ludicrous. That should not be happening. It's not Gonzaga's fault that these teams are not good. And what do you want them to do? 
like them beating these teams by a smaller margin, making the WCC look better, would that have helped? That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not saying this is how the people were voting. I have no idea what went into these things. I think a lot of it is probably just teams who were behind Gonzaga winning big games and then them moving up and that kind of pushes Gonzaga down. That's probably what happened. And in that case, okay, fine, it's okay. But it's un- it's it's unfortunate. I don't want to say unfair. It's unfortunate that Gonzaga falls a spot in the AP poll when they took care of business in the most dominant way of pretty much any team in the conversation, 38 points and 18 point victories. I mean, that's incredible. And to beat Santa Clara, literally the second best team in the WCC per net still, still after this game to beat them by that amount is it just shows how dominant this team is, how ridiculously skilled and talented and experienced that this program is. And they're in a spot right now where they're going to make some serious, serious noise. Gonzaga's only losses are to Louisville, who's moved up to 13. So Louisville's resume continues to get better and better as one of the only teams that beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga did lose to Washington State, and Washington State has not met those preseason expectations. That is part of what is hurting Gonzaga's resume, but it still feels unfortunate for Gonzaga to be penalized for this. Uh, They're 18th in the net. That's where they were last week, so that has not changed. Still right in that same spot. Uh, Santa Clara's dropped from 65th to 81st. Portland drops, I think, four or five spots to 110. Pacific is now at 161. But here's the deal. Both Santa Clara and uh, Portland have dropped recently because Gonzaga beat them. So, again, if Gonzaga is being penalized by the voters because, oh, they play in a weak conference, the WCC doesn't have any top, you know, 60 teams in the net or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but the part of the reason those teams are dropping is because Gonzaga is beating them. So, again, they should not be punished for that. I just think that it's an unfortunate situation for Gonzaga to have fallen a spot in the AP poll. Again, does it really matter? No. Is Coach Lisa Fortier and the team probably, like, really upset about this? No, I doubt it. I doubt it's it really registers to them other than, oh, that's weird. Like, it's that's not their focus. Their focus is taking care of business in the WCC, which they did and will hopefully continue to do. Uh, talk a little bit about that Santa Clara game. Uh, avenging last year's loss in the regular season, Gonzaga lost to Santa Clara. It was a, a problematic loss for them in the sense that it hurt them uh, when they got into the selection Monday and they ended up getting that nine seed, but made sure it did not happen again this time. Uh, the Broncos had 20 turnovers. They shot under 33% from the field, under 30% from three. They only went four of six from the free throw line. Really good defensive effort from the Zags to force so many turnovers and not commit a bunch of fouls. The Zags shot 60% from the field. They were 10 of 22 from the three-point line. That's 45.5%. Bonnie Ejim, what an, she's just been absolutely extraordinary all season long. She's continuing to put herself in a conversation where I can't believe if she's not being considered as an All-American candidate, uh, as a candidate for the 2024 WNBA draft. I mean, her performances this year have been jaw-dropping. In this game against Santa Clara, she played 23 minutes. She had 19 points because she was a perfect 7-for-7 from the field and a perfect 5-of-5 from the free throw line. Can't do it literally any better than that for Ejim. She also had a phenomenal game against San Diego as well, 25 and 10 against the Toreros on 10 of 18 shooting. A really nice game for him, for her, excuse me, in that game. Uh, going back to the Santa Clara game, Eliza Hollinsworth had 18 and 7 in just 24 minutes on 8 of 9 shooting. Really nice performance from her. And against San Diego, helping out Vani, who had that 25 and 10 game, was Kay Lee Trung, who had 21 points and 7 assists, also on 8 of 9 shooting. This team is very efficient offensively. They're forcing a ton of turnovers on defense. They're out-rebounding their opponents. They're knocking down their three-point shots. They can't do much better than they're currently doing. And we know the WCC is weak. We've talked about it 
ad nauseum on this podcast. We talked about it uh, in the preseason. We've talked about it throughout the season. The WCC is bad. It's bad on the men's side, but it is really bad on the women's side. But the best thing that they can do is keep blowing out teams, blow out teams, play efficient basketball, you know, have high level performers like they have from Vani, like they have from Eliza Hollandworth, like they have from the Trunk Twins, Brenna Maxwell, continue to put up as best the numbers as you can, blow out teams the way that they have and put together the best record that you can. And, and they're they're doing it. They're doing the dang thing as best they possibly can right now. They got LMU on the road on Thursday. They got St. Mary's on Saturday at home. LMU is seven and nine and St. Mary's is also seven and nine. LMU is two and two in the WCC and 195th in the net. St. Mary's right behind them. One and two in the WCC and 198th in the net. So these are two of the, the worst teams in a conference that is not good in the WCC. For Gonzaga, they'll go out, take care of business, go on the road, take care of LMU, beat them by 15, 20, 25, 30, 40, who cares? Why not? Uh, take care of business against St. Uh, St. Mary's at home on Saturday. Similar margin of victory, hopefully blowing out teams because they can't change the, the quality of their opponent. Hopefully blowing out these teams will get the attention of the AP voters and they'll move them up. But again, like I said, Coach Fortier doesn't really care where they are in the AP poll. She cares where they are in March. She cares where they are when they play in the WCC tournament, that they're winning those games. And she cares where they are in the NCAA tournament as well. And hopefully a continued success like this will put Gonzaga in a spot to be a top four or at least a top five seed in March where they can legitimately contend to be a Sweet 16 Elite Eight team uh, and possibly even beyond that with the amount of depth and experience that this program has. It's going to wrap it up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll get into some Zags in the NBA. Haven't talked a lot about DeMontis Sabonis and his really, really strong play of basketball. Same with Jalen Suggs. Same with Chet Holmgren, of course. We'll talk about those guys. We'll talk about some trade candidates uh, for Gonzaga's NBA players. All coming up on Wednesday's episode of Locked On Zags, and then we'll get back to getting ready for those games against Pepperdine and San Diego. Uh, thanks again for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. And until Wednesday, as always, Go Zags.